Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. I'm your host, Jillian Moss Bachman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Oh, it's playing over and over again. Hang on. Got it. Little glitches make it all that much better. Anyway, we were talking... We were working on Lesson 2 in series entitled Power in the Quiet Moments. And on Tuesday's program, we started talking about how to find the power within through the ancient practice of meditation. You know, I was stressing the point of setting yourself up to success by creating a sacred space first before jumping right in into the act of sitting and quieting the mind, body, and soul. This higher power that we all seek will only come forth if you feel emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually safe in your environment. So for the next half hour, I want to talk to someone who has made it her loving mission to assist others in designing this perfect, reflective, sacred space. It's always a good idea, and I usually like to share a quick background on my guest, just to let you know who they are and what their their background is and what they're here to teach the rest of us. Well, this week I want to kind of change it up a little bit. When I went to my guest's website, Your Space of Grace, you're met with this profound statement from a very well-known spiritual teacher in writing, and this is what he says. Your space of grace is a wholly individual transformation and spirit-based approach to interior design that I believe will have an immense impact when it becomes well-known. This approach will inspire you to make your homes into a constantly changing, living, sacred poem that continuously inspires you and fills you with peace, delight, and power. This quote comes from Andrew Harvey, who is a very well-known writer and spiritual teacher. He's referring to my sensational healer friend and teacher in her own right, Jill Angelo. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. Thank you, You thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Before we get into it, I just want to give a little background of what your education is and how you got into all this. Jill has her education in interior design and redesign, Jungian and transpersonal psychology, my favorite PS, mysticism and energy medicine, and CAM, complementary and alternative medicine. She holds her certificate in ISRP, which is interior staging and redesign professional, IDDP, interior decorating design professional, and is an affiliate member of IDS, Interior Design Society, 
and she has over 30 years of business in this area of business management. She's had the privilege of working with and being mentored by many spiritual teachers, including Andrew Harvey, the one I wrote the quote, just read the quote from. And it was from her spirit base that she began to understand the power of place and environment can positively or negatively impact the human spirit. It's this awakening that developed her into her own brand of teaching, as I call it, your space of grace. It guides and up through a process to reconcile the internal world with the external environment. Gee whiz, that's a lot, Jill. <laughs> it it may sound that way, but in truth, I don't know that I really think that it is. Well, you know, isn't it true that when you get to a certain level in your career, there's a litany of stuff. You know, you have to go through all that to become an expert in what you're teaching in the world. I agree with you there. Yeah, However, what exactly. I want what I'm thinking though, Jill, is is that we become programmed in our own ways, and I don't know the program's the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway, to keep seeking outside of ourselves. We keep yeah. searching, we keep looking, we keep going. We've got to find someone else. We've got to look into someone else. What do they say? What would this teacher say? When, when we're quiet, we have a lot of those answers ourselves. It's so true, right? And I want to go back to a statement that I found on your website, and let's start there. You explain your space of grace as giving the power of place and environment can positively or negatively impact the human spirit. I'm not sure. Can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. I'm going to ground it in a very simple term. Good. We like simple here. Okay. A number of us know that we should exercise, and we don't. We get gym memberships that we don't use. And then after spending hundreds of dollars in gym memberships that we don't use, we decide that we're going to be proactive and we're going to buy a treadmill. We're going to bring that treadmill home, we're going to use that treadmill at home, and we are going to exercise at home. There's no excuse now. And then I walk into people's homes and those treadmills are not used. They're actually inlaid with clothes and they're utilized as closets, collectors, they're dusty. There is a prime example of how that can negatively affect people's energy, the room, themselves, the environment. Because now you have this treadmill in your house. You know you're not using it, so you're already shaming yourself. You're feeling bad because you're not using it. And then indirectly what we start to do is we start to throw things on it because subconsciously we don't realize that we're hiding it or we're building a wall against it. And then it becomes inlaid with other things that makes the shame, the guilt, the gosh, I should have, get even greater for us. Well, you know, that's a great analogy because I never thought of it. You know, how many of us do really have those pieces of equipment or even something that represents what we're going to be doing. So I like mm-hmm. that uh, picture in my head of the uh, treadmill. So are you talking about that's a negative, right? So then negative. how... Another negative. How many okay. of us have photos in how many of us have photos in our houses of people who uh made us crazy, were bad environments? Everyone's got someone in their family that's made them crazy. Someone who has 
talked down to them, mistreated them, been tough on them, have childhood memories that are nothing of the good, and yet there's either the photo of that person, there's art of that person, that person passed away and you felt an obligation to hang on to the vase that was Grandma Sally's or something along that line, or people get wise and they say, well, you know what, I'll put it away, and then when everyone comes over, I'll, I'll put it out. And the second that everyone comes over because you're having a family party and you need to put it out, you pull it out, you are overwhelmed by those feelings all over again. When you put it back away, you feel better and relieved, yet you still have something to measure by how you felt. Or you go in offices and people who are going through divorce are still having photos of the, their marriage picture on their desk. Or they still keep it. Now, I, I realize that we have to go through the portion of grief and release and letting go. And that's not to take away from that. Yet, looking at that picture, if it's not a good moment or a good time in your life and you don't feel good about it, why is it still out? Why are you torturing yourself? Well, why do you think people do that? I mean, do you think they do that because it's just routine? Because it's what the illusion that we try to keep up to other people is more important than our own um, energy in our house, whether it's negative or positive. I mean, what's the rationale for people doing that, Jill? I think that some of it is to hang on to what was because we're okay. so afraid of what's in front of us that that's a good reminder. Yet, I, I have someone dear to me who's going through a divorce right now, and she has photos, and she says, well, I keep them up because of my children. Oh. And I said, I think that's good. I think that's good. That's wonderful. She's, your children aren't going to forget their dad. We know this. Your children aren't going to forget the dad. You're not that type of a mother. You're, you're staying in the neighborhood and all those appropriate things that she wants to do to make this divorce between the two of them good. Yet there has to be pictures that are either just you and the kids or the kids or want some of those pictures that aren't always going to bring you pain. These in particular photos really bring her pain. And she feels that she's, if you will, sucking it up for her for her children's sake, yet they're not looking at it from the same perspective that she is. So there's kind of like that underlying torture of beating herself up for it when she doesn't need to. Maybe it's okay to take those photos down for a while until she's gone through the process of the divorce a little bit further when she can look at it and go, you know what, this is a great day for us. I can't wait to have more of those in my future instead of, oh, my goodness, this was such a great day. I'm never going to have one of these again in my life. And that, that doom, despair, that dread that comes over from looking at that photo. So what you're saying is that all of those kind of negative things, not only do they represent a specific physical thing, but there's energy attached to this kind of negative environments and these negative icons that they have in their life? Absolutely, because our okay. homes are external representations of who we are. Okay. When I walk in your home or you walk in me, my home, it is a reflection of who I am externally. This is the environment that I choose to live in. These are the colors that I feel most express who I am and who my personality is. These furniture and textiles that you see around and the textures I chose are ones that I connect with. Even when we buy homes, 
We buy homes for those reasons. We love the curbside appeal. We love the backyard because of the nature that's in the backyard. We love the European-style cabinets. We're drawn to all those for reasons. I've been in homes where I wouldn't want the faucets for anything, and yet those faucets are sleek, and these people love nickel, and they wanted that color, and they feel, and you see people get animated, literally animated in both directions of positive and negativity. When I walk around and I say, tell me why you have this countertop. Tell me why you chose the curtains that hang on this window. Why? I mean, I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm not a big fan of yeah. this. I don't like how lace feels against my skin. I never have. I have doilies that were my grandmother's that I adore because they were my grandmother, and my grandmother was such a nurturing person in my life. That's about as much lace as I can handle, the size of a saucer. And I'll see people who have these beautiful romantic lace curtains in their bedroom. And I'll say, what brought you to this lace? And they, they'll get animated, and you watch them. Their, their hands come together, their shoulders engage, they're present, they're erect. And then when you walk in a room and you see that treadmill that's inlaid with clothing and dust, their shoulders fall forward, their posture goes forward, their heads go down because they feel terrible. They want it to be different, yet it's not different. And sometimes all I do is help them motivate themselves to get it done. Sometimes I actually help them get it done. So, yes, so you're saying all those, yeah, go ahead. So, yes, your home is an external reflection. When I come in, it's the external part of you. It's, it is your personality. It does reflect you. I often ask people, we've heard this on Oprah, look in your closet, clean out a drawer. There's really truth to that. Is your closet organized? And I mean, mine's anal. Mine's not even organized. All my clothes are on the same type of hanger. They all face the same direction, and they go from color, light to dark. Ooh, good thing you're not going in my closet, girly. Let me preface that by saying it's organized to what I am comfortable with. Is that what you're saying? It's like what's comfortable to you may not necessarily be positive reflection to you, but it is to me. Is that what we're talking about? If I opened up your closet... Yeah. I came to you and I said, let's open your closet. And we looked at your closet, and I would see how your closet was set up. I would ask you, tell me what the, the and you just did, tell me what is the comparisons between the way your closet is set up and the way you live your life. Oh, is that a trick question, Jill? Do you want me no. to answer that? It's like, yeah, but I can see that correlation. I can see what you're talking about in that we're talking about creating positive and negative space and energy in your life. But, you know, when you talk like that, Jill, do you really believe it's that easy? I think people love the hunt. They love the drama of creating stuff. And when you start talking about those simple kind of things, Jill, people turn you off because they can't believe just by redoing your closet or fixing or taking out their their exercise equipment is going to really change their whole life. They, you know, that's really crazy to think about. It is, except there's too much... There's too much information about it. If Oprah would stay on TV and say, clean out a drawer and see what happens, 
Yeah. And I encourage people, clean out a drawer. Everyone's got a junk drawer. Clean out your junk drawer. If you don't want to clean that out, clean out your car. But then again, your car is also a reflection of you. So if I were to look in your closet and then I looked in your drawers and then I looked in your car, odds are they're similar. Are you looking for trends there, Jill, as, you know, when you start working with people, do you look at certain trends in their house to change or do you look at the overall scheme of a room? When you start talking about sacredness, do you look at those kind of things first and then replace them, or how does that work? When I walk into someone's house, I take an overall feeling of what I feel when I walk in the house. Okay. And I say, and I don't say anything. And I start in the foyer with a person, and I say, I want you to walk me through this house, and I want to experience it with you. And then when I walk through the house, I ask things, I see things, and I'll say, where did you get that lovely lamp? Why do you have that lamp? How does that lamp speak to you? Where did you get this pillow? Where, how do you feel about your sofas? Do you like your sofas or don't? What do you think about the paint that you chose? Tell me, because this house, well, it's not really a house. For some it's a house. For others it's a home. Tell me why you chose what you chose. What is the story? Because there is a story. If I came in your home, Jill, you would be able to tell me why you have what you have. And and people will say, my mom, that was my mother's. I feel guilty giving it away. Okay. You'll see the yeah, attitude changes in them when they tell me that. I, I'll mm. see a sofa and I'll be, this is my, and here's a perfect example. I can walk in a baby's room and say, tell me about that bassinet. That bassinet's been handed down. Fifteen babies slept in that bassinet, and, and, and they are spot on on how much that means to them. But they're also in the same direction as spot on in the pieces that they don't like. Now, to go back to one of the things that you did say before, we go into homes with our hopes, our dreams, our wishes. We weave that, those hopes, dreams, wishes, and expectations into the fiber. We buy that home going, we're going to have a family here. Our grandchildren are going to be here. I have a number of friends who have big winding staircases. They want their daughters to stand up there for their prom dresses. They want their daughters to stand there married, to have their photographs taken there. So those visions are with us. I don't feel that people ever come into a home and say, I want this home to be negative. I think that life gets away from us. I think that we get very, very busy. I think that we have our children. We realize we have to go back to work to help out. We can't man it all ourselves anymore, and things get away from us. And I think that is where I have found most often than not. That's where the negativity, the overwhelming, the so much on our plate occurs. Someone gets ill, and we have to take that on. And that sets us backward. And we might lose our job. That sets us backward. Something happens that causes us to go in a different direction, and that's when a level of control is lost from where we normally had. And looking at me, I am as absolutely anal as they come. Every book is organized. Everything is organized. I've been that way my entire life when I look back to being a child. And I ask those questions, too. And if I ask people, why did you choose the color that you have? And they'll say, and I'll say, was it your favorite color when you were a kid? And most often it is. And when I teach in class, I bring out boxes of the 64 crayons, brand new boxes of crayons, and I hand them to people. 
find your favorite colors. And they always pick them. Usually it's five colors. And most often than not, those colors are staples in their wardrobe, they're staples in their home, they're the color of the car they buy. It's always traced backwards. And it's always a good place to start. So those are the kind of things that you want to start with right now. Like what can we do in our houses in just a few brief minutes? What can we do in our homes to create a uh, move our house from a place that we just lived, Jill, to this uh-huh. sacred sanctuary? And then I want to talk about feng shui. Can you answer that first and then we'll move on? Sure. The first things that I would suggest that anyone do is do your very best to get rid of as much of the clutter as you can. And everyone knows they have clutter. Whether it's outside clutter that's in front of me, that like the treadmill with clothes laying all over it, or they've got a cabinet that they shove everything into, or a drawer that they shove it into, everyone has at least one of them. Clean that out. Clean it out, organize, and if you are not using it, or wearing it, bless it, thank it for what it served you because energy travels, either give it away or throw it away. You know, that sounds easy, Jill, but, you know, I think people have trouble giving away things nowadays. I think they're, they're so, I'm sorry, I think they're so attached to the things. I mean, look at that show, The Hoarders. I mean, that's an exaggerated example. But how can you let go? I think people need to understand their human spirit is not tied to their physical uh, things they own. Amen. Amen. And if, right? If another way, another way and, and I agree with you 100%. Another way to deduce it, though, also, is if you are a size X and you were always a size A, if you honestly think you're going to get back into the size A, keep it. If you haven't been that size A for some time, why are you torturing yourself by hanging on to clothes that no longer fit you? You know, I believe that because I I recently lost a lot of weight, and one of the things that was told to me over and over again, Jill, was get rid of the size that you used to be and never look back because if you still have it in your closet, you still have the emotional and I even for me spiritual attachment to those clothes that I no longer even feel comfortable in. Mhm. So why keep them? Yeah, exactly. I see your point. So start slow though. I think people want to just jump in and do it all at once. You need to go slow. You need to go slow. You need to choose one room at a time or one area at a time. Some people like to do all the drawers. Some people like to take on one room. Yes, one segment at a time. And then you'll increase because you're going to start to see that once you start to organize it, choose to give away what you choose to give away, you are going to feel the energetic shifts immediately. And people don't think it, it happens that way, and yet it does. It really does. And, it, it, it really you know, does. that's the thing with spirit and energy and things like that. It's the subtleness, Jill. It doesn't right. take much, you know, for to move that energy from a small little spot to a huge overtaking room. But a lot of what you're talking about sounds like the art of feng shui. 
is it or is it different? Feng shui, feng shui, to sum it up simply, is feng shui is the Eastern, it's an Eastern Asian, very ancient philosophy in a way a room is, the items in the room are placed. There's directions involved. There's a bagua involved where you draw out a plan that looks similar to a tic-tac-toe, the way we play tic-tac-toe. And each area has a specific goal of achievement, uh, prosperity, your journey, those kinds of things, your family unit. And in the room and the house are done in that way. There's certain colors that are introduced to emphasize that philosophy. It's a good philosophy. I use some of it. I don't incorporate all of it. I I, I don't want to, I personally do not want to live my house by that level of design. It's okay. a beautiful philosophy for those who choose to do it. There's tremendous experts that are out there that can help. I have found people who have worked with feng shui experts, and then they've had other feng shui experts come in after the fact, and those experts change what the first expert does, and that can get kind of difficult. So I, I think that it's important that if anyone wanted to experience feng shui, there are plenty of books. You will go to the bookstore. You will be intuitively guided as to which one to pick up. Take a look at it. Go to the bookstore. Get your coffee. Sit down. Take a look and see how it, how it feels for you. You will be guided to it if that is the philosophy that you want to use in addition to your home. Now, I know that you like feng shui as like a primer, a beginning point, as I think is what you're saying. But there's two other ones that you really like because I've heard you talk about them before. Can you explain what those are? I'll let you say them. <laughs> okay. There's Batsu. Yeah. Okay. Batsu is the Eastern, in this Eastern Indian way. And what... They do use principles that are partially utilized in feng shui. Uh, both of them are ancient. Um, there's a difference. There's a difference with vatsu because it is it is working with natural it's it, natural forces that are supportive and help you also to create a life of harmony as well. Um, it has to do with with the energetic fields in the house. People who are working with Vatsu also do direction in the same way that Feng Shui works with, where they feel that different items placed in certain directions of the house will bring whatever the accomplishment to achieve is. Prosperity could be placed in one direction. Family could be placed in another direction. And, and those are highly effective, being that you want to mirror that throughout your entire house. And it, it is beneficial and it can be beneficial. The people who are interested in it, though, really need to familiarize themselves with that so that they understand what's completely behind that concept and why they want to introduce that concept into their home. In addition, my favorite is wabi-sabi. And wabi-sabi is the Japanese philosophy. And simply stated, which is most simply stated for, for wabi-sabi, is it's the perfection in the imperfection. Everything okay, has so, imperfections. Okay. 
You know what? We're almost out of time, believe it or not, but I really want to get to the course that you're doing now, Jill, and how can people find that? We have about two minutes worth of time, and they can look up the other ones, but what are you doing in the world? Oh, thanks, Jill. I created a course. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. I've created a course that I teach, which is 12 Steps. 12 Steps of Creating Sacred Space. The 12 Steps of Creating Sacred Space are already within our homes right now. We have all of them inside of our homes in our daily in our daily lives. We just need to remember what they are. It's not about realization. It's to remember. We all have books. We all have nature. We all have text. We have all this in our house. It doesn't cost us any money. It just puts us back in touch with. The course is going to be offered in April on Daily Home. And I'm also going to have it on my own website, which is yourspaceofgrace.com. So it will be available there sometime in April. It will be a PDF on uh, my my site and it's, of course, so that you can get it directly through the Daily Ohm site. And it's dailyohm.com. Well, perfect. And I will put all that information up on my own website as well, Jill, so we can track this course and people can follow up. Do you have a phone number? We only have like a few seconds. Do you have a phone number? 928-288-6097. Sweet. Thanks, Jill. We are so much out of time. We had such a good time and it went so fast. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. We will be back next week when I want to talk and continue our conversation on meditation and a few more tips. But remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see all of you next week, Blog Talk Radio, High Noon.